Ashley. And this is Megan. And we are the Mito Podcast. And we um, left off talking about what mitochondria is, what mitochondrial disease is. And today we're going to get a little scientific. So um, bear with us as we try to explain some of these things. Um, and there is a reason. So we're going to talk about the genetics of mitochondrial disease, how it's actually passed down. Um, we're also going to talk about... Um, how to diagnose. Yes, how to diagnose, how you get your child diagnosed or yourself if you have a, think you have a mitochondrial disease. And the reason why these are so important is because in this day and age, in 2020, there are a lot of trials out there that they're actually doing now, thankfully, for mitochondrial disease. And you actually, for... Most of them that I've actually seen, you have to have a genetic diagnosis. Um, and then you're talking about also treatments. Sometimes there are different treatments depending upon um, the mitochondrial disease that you have. And of course, uh, we now have a lot of support groups that are out there. And you know, for someone who has mitochondrial disease and you know the specific disease you have, you can um, find a network and you can find support um, with other families or other patients and just and really- doctors. Doctors, yeah. And just you know, get an idea of- you know, some of the health issues that you may have that someone else has and how they dealt with it. Um, so it's, it's really important to understand the genetics and to get that diagnosis because it just, it opens up a lot of different avenues for you. Right. Yeah. So, so go ahead. So, <laughs> so originally um, they thought mitochondrial disease was inherited maternally, meaning coming from the mom. Um, one of the reasons they thought that is because mitochondria are the only other um, parts that are in a cell that has their own DNA. And so mitochondrial DNA is only inherited from the mom. It's in the egg. Um, so the father has nothing to do with the passing down of mitochondrial DNA. So they originally thought that that was the way that you um, were able to pass on mitochondrial diseases is it came from the mom. Um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, today, we know that there are quite a few different ways. As science has progressed, we know that it can now be passed down paternally, which is from the father. Um, it can be a mix from um, mom or dad, uh, it, because if it's in the nuclear DNA, which it means it's in the nucleus of every cell. Um, but there's also situations where it can be what's called de novo, which means it's um, not related to mom or dad. It's something that actually happened in the egg, either in the fertilization or the early stages of embryonic development. Um, something could have happened and it actually created a mutation that um, leaves the child to have a mitochondrial disease. So there's a lot of science progressing right now with this and it's important to understand um, how it's actually passed down to be able to get your diagnosis. And it's not uncommon for a doctor to not know that. Yes. It's so important for everyone to understand that there are doctors that don't understand mitochondrial diseases are not uh, specifically from the mom. Mm -hmm. um, I had a situation myself um, where a, a very distasteful doctor <laughs> um, told That's me that it nicely <laughs> yeah told me that Angie's disease was my fault oh in wow. those words she wow. said so it's your fault mm -hmm. um, and it, and we'll dive into it in a, in a minute with with what Angie's diagnosis was but it is not and it's no one's fault no um, so it's it's very important to stress it can be from the mom it can be from the dad. It can be a mix. 
And it could be from nobody. Exactly. Just, and no one has control over their genetics. So. Right. <laughs> um, so how to diagnose. Um, there's three different ways. You can have your blood tested. You can have your saliva tested. And you can have your tissue tested. So even though you... So none of these tests are 100%. I'm really sorry to break that to everyone, mm-hmm. but they're not. We don't have one test that we can take that will give us our full genetics or DNA. It just doesn't exist. So in the perfect world, you would take all three tests. They're expensive. Extremely expensive. Um, for, I, my experience was doing just the blood test. And that alone, I think, was like Mm $30,000. And it it depends even on what they're going to do with that blood. Right. Um, So it depends on the tests that they're going to do. And it's important for, well, I feel it's important to have your child tested, who is suspected to have Mito, um, the biological father and the biological mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And what happens is, um, so I'll I'll go back and tell my story and then uh, explain the other two types. Um, so the blood test, they took blood from my husband, from myself, and from Angie. And the company that did ours compared them. So they, they tested Angie looking to, to try to simplify it. They were looking specifically for main genes that mitochondrial are affected so once they found that gene that angie was affected by they then took my blood test and then andrew's blood test to find out if that specific gene was affected um for our case it did not come from andrew and they think it did not come from me and the reason i say that is going back to you can't take one test and it tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so since Angie's diagnosis was mitochondrial, so it technically came or it should have come from me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to go slow to <laughs> make sure I don't lose a step. Um, so with our blood tests... Um, we went through a company called GeneDX. Um, the process took, for us, three months. But I've heard from many families it's taken a, month, a lot longer. I actually just heard from a family that it took a year. Oh, wow. Um, but so we went through GeneDX. And the reason why uh, it may have not shown up under my genetics um, for the blood test is because they only report... Um, 12% and above. So Andy, Andy, (laughs) (laughs) Angie was 70% affected in the MTND5 gene, which I know that gets a little Mm science-y and I'll leave it at that. I won't tell you the rest of the gene, (laughs) but um, so she's 70% affected. I would have been, if it, if I do have it, it's lower than 12%. Mm -hmm. But it didn't report, which means that I could take another test and find a whole different result. But before we 
cover those two other tests, I want to talk about Troy because you guys just got your testing. So we did. And, um, you know, just to kind of show the pathway, Troy is 11 years old um, and we still don't have a specific genetic diagnosis. And he's been diagnosed with um, a mitochondrial disease since he was two. Um, And one of the tests, which we'll talk about, was a muscle biopsy that he did where they took his muscle tissue um, and found um, some red ragged fibers and things like that, which we'll talk about later. Um, but anyway, uh, genetic testing is extremely expensive, and a lot of insur- insurances, including ours, do not cover it. Um, so when you're talking thirty, forty, you know, even fifteen thousand dollars out of pocket for a test, um, you know, that's a lot of money. And so. Um, we have been working with our doctor and trying to find a pathway to eventually get there. Um, and he's written many letters to our insurance and it's just not working. Um, so, uh, we did what they called a genetic trio. Um, and it was through the company called Fulgent and we just got the results back. I hadn't even shared this with you yet. Um, and they didn't find anything specifically. They looked at only mitochondrial DNA, um, and they only found uh, one thing that could possibly be related, and it was a de novo situation, which we talked about, which honestly, I didn't even know what that meant. I had to look it up as soon as I um, got the test. So it's something that is not necessarily passed down from myself or his father. It's something that you know could have mutated just in the... Um, the development stage of the embryo. So we still, to this day, don't have a specific genetic diagnosis, and we will be working on that until we get one. Um, It's important to us in case trials open and things like that, that we want Troy to be available to do that. Um, But it is a long road sometimes, and that is um, the situation and where we are at right now with Troy's genetic diagnosis. So it's interesting because I did a blood test, you guys, we, did all three of you do biopsy mm-hmm. or did you two of you do blood and one biopsy? No, uh, Troy is the only one that did the muscle biopsy and okay. he did that when he was two. And we just, um, a couple months ago, did the blood test. It was okay. myself, his father, and Troy. Okay. So there's so many different ways mm-hmm. that you can go about it. Um, and I think both of our stories are important because it shows that you can either get a diagnosis right away mm-hmm. or you're on a much longer road and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard because, every again, I know I keep saying this, but everyone is different, um, and it is important to talk to your insurance, um, <clears throat> see what you can get covered because it, it is expensive. And some people, they do choose to not get an official diagnosis mm-hmm. because, of, because of the money. Um, and... Like, let's say, let's use my situation as an example with Lee syndrome. We were told that Angie was only going to live to be two or three years old. So do we choose to go through the stress of trying to find this genetic diagnosis if we were in in a different situation where we we couldn't afford it, if our insurance Mm -hmm. couldn't cover it? Or do we just keep trying things with, like, the Mito cocktail and... um, it's just hard, mm-hmm. no matter what. I think yeah. the the getting a diagnosis is just hard. It is, and there's no right mm-hmm. or wrong. So if you feel you need to know and you need to know exactly what gene, then do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't feel that way, 
that's that's okay too. It's your story. Um, but with that genetic diagnosis, there are trials. Um, there's a lot more research going on. And unfortunately, you have to have that specific diagnosis saying what gene is affected or what mutation mm -hmm. you might carry um, to be able to be accepted into a trial. Um, I think that that is really weird because you, before you have a medically complex child, you never think about trials. Like I'm sure most people are like, oh, I'm never going to put my child through a trial. Mm -hmm. But then you become a family with, a, a mito diagnosis and you are trying to find every single piece of literature to find out what medication anything that mm -hmm. you can do to save your child and then all of a sudden trials become just the only glimpse of hope that you have to mm -hmm. keep them um so it's it is important if you if you do want to do different trials if you want to try different treatments you do unfortunately have to have a diagnosis yeah. Um, and we were going to talk about the other two types of tests besides right. the so, blood test. Uh, a saliva test, bugle swab is, is what they, they call it. It's basically they, they put a... Um, uh, Q-tip Q swab. Yes, <laughs> thank you. A giant Q-tip in your mouth, and they rub it in your cheeks for five to ten minutes to get as much as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And then they seal it and send it off. Um the, the tissue, the biopsy, what Troy had, mm -hmm. um, they take a, a, a biopsy, a chunk of tissue, mm -hmm. seal that off, send it to the company. Mm -hmm. I specifically have never heard of anyone doing all three. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it's because of limitations mm -hmm. with insurance paying for it mm -hmm. or a person being able to afford to pay for it because uh, like the blood test, that alone just that is 30,000. The bugle swab saliva, that could be another 30,000. So you're looking at 90 to $100,000 just for some simple tests, mm -hmm. um, which I know we'll go into another time. It's crazy. And yeah, and I think one of the <laughs> things that always drives me nuts when we think about doing um, some of these tests or we're trying to get them covered is that they're not even 100% sure. I mean, we paid yes. for this one that we did out of pocket and it came back not showing us a specific mitochondrial disease. So, you know, it's, like we said, the science isn't 100% there yet. Um, and, you know, for some situations it may be, and you get a diagnosis, but you can pay $15,000 for a test and come back with Nothing. inconclusive results. Right. So it's it's definitely, it's, it's a struggle. Um, some people, I think this is also um, important to address is, some people will want to do these genetic testing to find out if they can have children in the future, mm -hmm. uh, healthy children in the future. Um, it's always going to be scary um, because regardless of, and I could be wrong on this, so definitely if someone's listening and, and I am wrong, please <laughs> leave a not. comment or email me. But regardless of, how the gen how you got mitochondrial how your child got a mitochondrial disease you typically every time you have a child it's a one in four chance that you will have another child with mitochondrial disease mm -hmm. so that means every time you try to have a kid 
25% chance you're, the next kid is also going to have it. And I think that does depend on how it was passed down. If it's something like a de novo thing where, you know, it was completely, you know, in utero, it may not happen again. But right. they don't know. They don't have the science. If it's right. maternally, paternally, those kinds of things, then definitely, I mean, you know, when you learned in high school and genetics or, you know, the Punnett squares and how they figure out everything and how mm-hmm. mom and dad passed down this and that. Right. Um, but yeah, then there's also that chance that you don't, you don't and know. And so using myself as an example again, um, Angie had a mitochondrial DNA. That was where her, her mitochondrial disease came from. Mm-hmm. Just because they couldn't find it in me doesn't mean, again, that I don't have it. So for my chances of having a child with Mito, is going to be one in four. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had a diagnosis that specifically says, and they're, actually, I can't even say that. Even if it says it's de novo, mm-hmm. again, you have three different types of tests that are not going to tell you 100%. So mm-hmm. your chances could still be one in four. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say something happier and mm-hmm. give people hope, um, but I can't. And that, and maybe I'm just um, scared for our own future of, of that, mm-hmm. where maybe I'm limiting other people's hope, I guess. <laughs> well, the, I mean, there's different families that you can follow, definitely, that have had two children with mitochondrial disease and one um, that absolutely does not have mitochondrial disease. So, I mean, obviously there are chances that can be taken yes. and possibly, you know, you end up having a child that doesn't have it. Um, and that's, you know, a personal right. decision. I know um, for me, when we first found out, um, our doctor said to not have any more children. And that's a funny thing to hear from a doctor because you're like, these are my life decisions. But um and we didn't even have a genetic diagnosis yet, and we still don't. But it was definitely something that you think about and, you know, do you want to have another child and possibly pass on this progressive fatal disease um, and take that chance, even the one in four chance? Um, that's a scary thing, and it's something, you know, you decide. It's your own, your own personal mm-hmm. decision, and whatever decision you choose, you don't need to explain it to anyone. No. It's, um, it's you and your family. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully in another podcast, we might be able to talk about different options Mm -hmm. for that. Like, uh, IVF with, with genetic testing Mm -hmm. or they're now doing, um, not a trial. I don't want to call it that, but, um, (laughs) they're, I don't want to call it an experiment either. No. <laughs> um, but there's research. Anyway, they're working on. <laughs> yeah, there's research being done on um, two egg, one sperm do, uh, mix. So mm-hmm. it's a three-person exactly. um, genetic child. They're, yeah, they're <laughs> using the mitochondrial DNA from another mother and putting that into... Um, they're taking out the mitochondrial yeah. DNA from one mom, putting and replacing it into the it with exactly, healthy, yeah. which again, super sciency. Yes. We'll get to that <laughs> another time, not during this podcast. <laughs> um, but to kind of cover so far what we've talked about, because I know we've probably gone off on a couple of tangents. Because this is really, it is complicated to talk about. It's mm-hmm. complicated to go back and forth, especially if you're not speaking with us in person, where there's 
we could show you diagrams so it's a lot easier <laughs> to understand. But with mitochondrial disease, it does not necessarily mean that it is maternally inherited. It can be from the mom. It can be from the dad. It can be mutations from both of them. Um, and it can also be de novo where it just, just happened. Um, and the importance of, of getting a diagnosis is finding different trials that um, your child might be able to participate in of treatments. And by treatments, we mean, uh, I guess sometimes the mitococktail because mm-hmm. different mitochondrial diseases um, have a different mitococktail. You have different supplements yeah. that work better than, mm-hmm. than others. Um, and also finding support. And I don't think we've, we haven't really covered that part yet, which is important. Um, so finding support, um, I hate to bring it up, but Facebook yeah. <laughs> and Instagram, those are two outlets that have, for me, mm-hmm. helped a lot with being able to find other families affected by Angie's disease. Um, without them, I would not have found the information that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been an amazing help. And you find, you become this family together and you're really invested in each child and how they're progressing or not progressing. Mm-hmm. And every time a child goes into the hospital, you're just holding your breath because you don't, you want them to live. You mm-hmm. want them to survive. You want them to get over, not get over, but to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so social media for me has been a, a big outlet with finding support other support would be like us. Um, we maybe looking into uh, fundraisers or things that have to do with Mito, mm-hmm. finding other families. And it's, it is difficult, especially if you live in a small town. Yes. So small town, I'm sorry, but go back to social media. Because <laughs> yeah. um, even though I'm in, we are in San Diego, mm-hmm. there wasn't too many Lee syndrome families for me to talk to. Um, and each of us here in our group and our support has each child's diagnosed with something different. We have, um, like Troy doesn't have a full diagnosis, but he's Lee like, mm-hmm. um, we have NARP, we have, um, Angie also had Mellis, um, uh, a couple of other moms, their children have a, a yeah, different more marker. Specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I tango too. Yeah. Ears two, two, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you might not find someone with your exact diagnosis, but you will find families that have a similar diagnosis and that still helps. Um, and also with being able to find maybe a doctor that specializes more in one mitochondrial disease than another mm-hmm. um, I know that they they if you have a doctor that knows like Lee syndrome they're obviously going to know more about more mitochondrial diseases but there might be a doctor that is researching one specifically and that could be very helpful yeah yeah and I think you know once again we're here to um, help families to have a connection to um, try and, you know, find a pathway to live a happy, healthy life with their child. Um, you know, Mito is a, uh, a pretty devastating diagnosis, but I know you and I can both say this, um, having Troy has made me a better person. And even though we go through struggles, 
you know, the things that he does and the things that we see. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. His happy little face, those smiles, like you talked about with Angie, they're the most amazing things and they fill your heart and they make you feel good about life and everything. And so, you know, learning about this information that we're giving and helping to, you know, connect people with other families and information um, is why we're here because it's a journey and we want to make it um, one that you can find all the silver linings and everything that you do and enjoy every minute that you have with your child. Because life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And even though the mito diagnosis is this big cloud over you, there you, there's still time to watch butterflies and sit in the sun and find the small things that make life so amazing. Yes. And that's definitely something that Angie taught me to just stop Mm -hmm. You don't have to do the hustle and bustle no. of everything. Just stop and take a deep breath and enjoy that moment. Mm -hmm. Because you just, you don't, for everyone, you, it doesn't matter if you have a mito diagnosis. For everyone, you don't know when your last day is. Yes. And this has taught us that we can appreciate every moment. Absolutely. Um, for our next podcast, um, we are going to interview a mom, Desiree. She um, has a daughter uh, with a mito diagnosis, and she actually um, created a foundation called Daphne's Lamp. So for our next podcast, we're going to talk to Desiree, interview her a little bit, and talk about Daphne's Lamp and what they do. Um, if you have any questions or comments about this podcast, please let us know uh, you can email us at mitopodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page at mitopodcast. You can leave comments. Um, again, if you have any ideas or things you want us to cover, mm -hmm. we will do our best, but you have to let us know what they yes, are. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we're not mind readers from these microphones. <laughs> right. And also keep in mind, we're just moms. And yeah. we're doing the best that we can, and we're we're explaining Mido as as um, we know it, as we know it. And it's such a learning curve, and there are things that you know we don't know, um, and so we're just here to share what we do know and our stories. Exactly. So thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to um, check us out on the Apple uh, Podcast app, and also our website is mitopodcast.com. And thank you again. Have a great day.